Welcome to the Nutrition Medicine Podcast. I'm Martin Harris, a nutrition medicine pharmacist. Nutrition medicine has been a life changer for me personally, for my family, and for many of my patients in my pharmacy and in my clinic. And that's why I'm really passionate about sharing what I've learned. So let's explore your health and vitality together. We'll investigate diet and lifestyle, conventional and complementary medicines, the latest research from nutrition medicine, and the things you can do to restore your natural state of radiant wellness. Welcome to podcast two. Today I'm going to talk about why our conventional health system just isn't enough. Now I'm not trying to tell you that there's anything wrong with our current health system. It's a great base, filled with dedicated people, but some people still don't thrive even with the best of care that conventional medicine can give them. And a lot of people don't accept not feeling well. They keep asking the question. Whereas other people sort of assume that, well, you know, I'm getting older now, so I should expect to feel bad, low energy, aches and pains. I see a lot of people that come into my pharmacy with prescriptions and some of the items on those prescriptions I know cause nutrient deficiencies and I know that those nutrient deficiencies can cause symptoms like tiredness, aching muscles and when I ask those people around you know how are you going with your medicines they generally are very polite and go yeah good thanks. So I have to ask more specific questions what about any muscle pains? Oh yeah, I do get a few aches and pains, but that's just because I'm getting old now. But you know, old age is no excuse for not feeling really well. And that's what I try and tell them. There's examples of people well into their 90s that are doing things like free diving and, and jumping out of airplanes and all these active pursuits. And there's people in their 40s and 50s that, you know, you think, given their level of activity, they, they might be in their 90s. So we all age differently. And a big part of that is how well we look after our nutrition. And that's why it's good to keep asking the questions, keep looking for solutions. If you don't feel 100%, keep looking outside the square. So I'm not saying nutrition medicine is better than conventional medicine. I support both being a pharmacist and a nutrition medicine practitioner. But what I am aware of is that they're a very different set of tools. So if you're trying to change a, a light bulb, well then the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer. It's, it's not going to be that effective. In fact, it's probably going to be quite disastrous. And so if you can combine the different types of medicine, conventional medicine, nutrition medicine, you can get the best of both worlds. I remember my dad telling me when I was growing up, and we were having a bit of a wrestle, that he could beat me up even with one hand tied behind his back. And sometimes I think people are trying to achieve their health goals with one hand tied behind their back. They're not looking for all the answers. I think we also need to look at the elements of safety in the health system. A bit ashamed to say it, but drugs, that's my core trade, pharmacy, they cause hospitalizations 
in about 6% of people. We know that because we keep good statistics on that. So 6% of people that end up in hospital, it's because they've had a bad reaction to a drug. Now this isn't people that have taken a deliberate overdose. These are people that are trying to take their medicines in the best possible way, but end up having an adverse reaction. So that's a lot of people getting a lot of ill health from taking their medicines the way they're supposed to. And medicines are very powerful things, which is why they can cause powerful side effects. But in pharmacy, I also see a lot of people that don't end up in hospital, but I know they're not thriving on their, on their medicines. There's a lot of drug-nutrient interactions. Some of those we're very familiar with, like if you're on the anti-arthritis drug methotrexate, which reduces all the folate in your body to help suppress your immune system, to help protect you from the arthritis, then you're also exposed to all the side effects of having low folate in the body. And folic acid or folate is a vital nutrient. So as a pharmacist, I make sure that every patient that comes in with a prescription for methotrexate also has a prescription for folic acid. It would be unethical for any doctor not to do the two together, and as a pharmacist, it's my job to make sure that no one's forgotten to do that. So if you take methotrexate without folate, you'll have a lot of adverse health outcomes with it, you should be okay. Some drug-nutrient interactions aren't so well known. Like people that are on medicines to reduce epilepsy, those medicines reduce the level of B vitamins in the body. They can also cause liver damage. So long term, these people could end up with a lot of tiredness, a lot of fatigue, um, you know, a lot of uh, the problems from uh, not detoxifying all the minerals, a lot of other health problems. So it's my job to make those people aware that if they want to ensure the best use of their medications, they need to supplement their anti-epileptic medicines with B vitamins and, and take some really good nutrients that are going to help to protect the liver. A lot of the vegetables and, the, and all the phytochemicals and vegetables will do that. So if you get someone that's on an anti-epileptic medicine and you ask them about their energy and their well-being and their brain fog, a lot of them will say, yeah, I don't feel 100% when you really ask them to think about it. But if you give those people B vitamins alongside their anti-epileptic medications, then they get a lot more energy back, they think clearer, a lot of the side effects of their medicines disappear. An interesting fact is that the side effects from taking these anti-epilepsy medications look very similar to the side effects from having low vitamin B6 levels. So we're not suggesting that people with epilepsy don't take their medicines. They need to take their medicines. But let's get the best outcomes from them by optimising nutrition as well. Similarly, when you've got taking an antibiotic for an infection, antibiotics will go through the body and kill off the bacteria that are causing the infection, but they're not specific just for the bad guys, and a lot of the good guys get killed off. And if that balance between the good guys and the bad guys isn't rectified, then you can end up with all sorts of health problems. Immediate things like diarrhea. A lot of people taking antibiotics get diarrhea straight away. But there's longer term effects as well. The immune system is concentrated a lot in the gut, and those good bacteria in the gut are responsible for a lot of the immune system. 
So people that have had a course of antibiotics can often end up with inflammatory states based on an imbalance in the immune system, and that can be way down the track. We often see cases of patients presented at conferences with pretty intense immune conditions, and a lot of the time, when you do a good case history, it'll go back to courses of antibiotics earlier in life. You know, teenagers taking medications for acne for, you know, several years, and the impact that can have on their their good bacteria or their microbiome. So we always make sure that people are aware of that, and we give them the opportunity to fix any potential side effects from the antibiotics. Another example, probably slightly differently, is one of the most common medicines that's used in New Zealand are medicines called proton pump inhibitors. People know it more commonly as omeprazole, Losec, pantoprazole. So these are medicines that reduce the, the acid in the stomach or the protons being pumped into the stomach. Now, they're very, very powerful medicines, and so they're really good to reduce heartburn and gastritis and some of the problems in the stomach. And they should be used short-term to fix those while we then work on the causes of what's, what's set off those problems to start with. Because long-term, if you stay on a proton pump inhibitor, if you stay on your omeprazole long-term, then you're at higher risk of having a heart attack. You're at higher risk of having mineral imbalances. The thing is, while omeprazole or proton pump inhibitors fix your digestion from the stomach up, they actually reduce the ability to absorb nutrients out of the diet from the stomach down. And most of the absorption is done in the intestines, not in the stomach. So people on proton pump inhibitors, I'll either say to them, do you know why you're on it? And it might be for a very good reason, in which case we'll leave them on it. Or it might be they'll say, I don't know. I've been on it for 20 years and I can't remember why I went on it. In which case I'll suggest, you know what? It's time you have a conversation with your doctor about why you're on it. And is it an appropriate time now to come off it? Because long term, it's not great for your health. In fact, the Ministry of Health have sent out warning letters to doctors that Patients should not be kept on these medications long term unless it's for a very good reason. And there are a few good reasons, but not as many as you'd think. These medicines are very commonly used and in the long term. Another area where I see medicines misused commonly is the oral contraceptives. Particularly, we'll be talking about girls who have painful periods or facial acne. Often the first thing a doctor will do is prescribe an oral contraceptive. Now, if you need an oral contraceptive for contraception, that's one thing. There are there are alternative methods of contraception, but that the oral contraceptive is quite a convenient method. But if you're using oral contraceptives, which is a very old medicine, it's about a 70-year-old medicine, if you're using that for acne or pain, then I think you're doing yourself a disservice. There's a reason why women ovulate and it's to provide all the hormones they need for good health and vitality for bone health to protect their arteries and and for mental health these hormones are critically important now if you have someone on an oral contraceptive they're not ovulating by definition you give them a very small amount of synthetic hormones that prevent the woman from ovulating so you can imagine a girl that 
starts on a oral contraceptive at the age of 13, 14 for painful periods and is on them until maybe she wants to start a family at the age of 30, she's actually never ovulated. She's had those last 17 years without all the protective benefits of the hormones that she was supposed to produce, the high levels of the progesterone uh, and all the benefits that that can produce. So my goal for really for those people is to, to make them aware of what they can do to fix those health problems. And so when they need to use the oral contraceptives, they use those. But in the short term, we fix the painful periods. And there are a lot of things that can do for that. Essential fatty acid balance can be quite helpful. Vitamin B6 can be quite helpful. Going on an anti-inflammatory diet can be really, really helpful. Other medicines and their interactions with nutrients, um, one of them that I've come across is a medicine called salfacelazine that's used for inflammatory bowel diseases like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease. Now, people with inflammatory bowel diseases are more likely to have or to develop in the long term bowel cancer. It's just, you know, that association. Things aren't right down there. There's a lot of inflammation. The immune system's upset. Bowel cancer is more likely in those patients. Now, if you have a deficiency of folate in your diet, you're also at higher risk of getting cancer. Thing is, sulfasalazine is the medicine used to treat inflammatory bowel disease, causes a folate deficiency. So all people taking that medicine should really be taking a folate supplement. So they get the benefits of the medicine without the side effects. But not many are. But there's a lot you can do anyway with inflammatory bowel diseases, in fact any inflammatory condition, to turn it off. I'm living proof of that with my ankylosing spondylitis, and I know a lot of other patients where I've had the same success. In fact, one I teach nutrition medicine to pharmacists, and one young pharmacist that I taught had an inflammatory bowel disease, and was just about ready to give up his career. Lack of energy, just sore, um, couldn't think straight. After attending my course, he changed his nutrition, turned off his inflammatory bowel diseases, and has done very, very well for, for himself, including winning Young Pharmacist of the Year. So a great result when you can get your nutrition right, you just feel better all over. So nutrition medicine really is trying to get to the underlying causes. One area that I think is treated particularly poorly in conventional medicine is Hashimoto's thyroiditis or thyroid problems. 95% of thyroid problems are Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And it's not a disease of the thyroid gland. It's actually a disease of the immune system being broken. It's a disease of autoimmunity. So if you just keep giving these people thyroid hormone, you're kind of putting a big sticking plaster over the top. And eventually these people will develop another autoimmune condition as their antibodies go and attack another organ other than the thyroid gland. In fact, I was watching a case study the other day about a woman with Hashimoto's thyroiditis and she, she could not stand up without the support of a walker. This was a woman in her 40s. So the, the practitioner to do some tests took the walker away and got her to try and take a step and she was, had no balance at all. Long story short, those antibodies that were attacking her thyroid had also started attacking her cerebellum in the brain. She had cerebral ataxia now. So it wasn't a matter of her thyroid dose was wrong. It was just we hadn't settled down the immune system. Her immune system was still going haywire and attacking all areas of the body that it shouldn't do. 
And the treatment for that one, the, the case taken for that woman was very, very complicated. There was a lot going on with her, but the treatment was very simple. She went on a, a gluten dairy-free diet, which was where all the autoimmunity was coming from. And within six weeks, she was walking, not the best walking, but she was walking without, a, without the walker. Amazing results for some simple interventions. And once you do control the underlying condition, then treating the symptoms can become a lot easier as well. I think of it as trying to put out a fire with a hose when you haven't stopped the petrol leak going on the bottom of the fire. You're pretty much wasting your time. So it doesn't really matter whether the condition you're trying to treat is a mild condition or a more serious condition. Nutrition is really, really powerful to either support the drug therapy, support the surgery, or to do a job on its own. I think of if you have a viral infection, it's very hard to treat with conventional medicines because the viruses mutate and change their structure and they're always one step ahead of the drug therapy. Whereas having a solid immune system means that you can cope with whatever the virus throws at you. Our immune system is a lot more complicated than the viruses. And it's not a one-size-fits-all for everybody either, which conventional medicine tends to be. Depression is treated as one condition in conventional medicine, a one-size-fits-all. But we know if you look at individuals, there's five or more subtypes that respond very, very differently. Someone with major depression may have a methylation disorder, in which case we treat them with methylating agents. Someone may have a dopamine deficiency, so we can treat them with the precursors of dopamine. It's a matter of doing all the testing and looking at all the evidence and trying to gather a picture for that person and to see what will make them well. But like doing a, a crime scene and, and you've got to get all the evidence before you can tell who done it. So my recommendation to you is that if you're not feeling 100%, seek out some support from a nutrition medicine practitioner. Find someone that can help guide you on your journey to radiant wellness. You may also want to do some work on mind, meditation, exercise, yoga, community, family and friends. But I suggest don't think that you're just getting old. Don't think that your condition is something you just have to live with. Keep searching for answers. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode. If you want to find out more about nutrition medicine, visit our website, which is nutritionmedicine.nz. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like to book an appointment to see me or one of my team in the Nutrition Medicine Clinic, then email our clinic manager at clinic at nutritionmedicine.nz.